Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good to see everyone. Uh, grab your handout, your Bibles. Your you can download the app and follow along on the notes as we go along this morning. Uh, before we jump into the message this morning, though, related to prayer, I want to introduce someone to you. Some of you already have met them, and some of you don't know them yet. I want to make sure you know uh, James and Stephanie Wisar. Would you guys stand? Let's welcome James and Stephanie here to Christ Church, and. And also sitting next to them, Jim and Danelle Dalton, you guys go ahead and stand up too. Many of you know the Daltons. <clears throat> Jim's one of our elders. So James and Stephanie will be leading here at Christ Church, but also in this community. Uh, they've been in pastoral ministry here for several years in the city, and now God has led them out of that role and into a role of full-time stewarding a ministry of prayer. And they're going to help spearhead and lead a 24-7 prayer room that will be located here. I'm sort of thankful that it's located right next, I mean literally the room right next to my office. I'm going to sort of just, you know, live off the fumes that come out of that prayer room. Uh, I'm, I am excited about that. We're very glad you're here. And so after the service this morning, if you want to be involved or if you want to know more information or if you have questions about 24-7 prayer, James and Stephanie and Jim Donnell will be here, right here in front, just gather together. They'll answer your questions. You, if you want to sign up for that, we'll, they'll get your information. And then in a couple of weeks, we'll get everything organized, or they will, and uh, they'll get it launched. Uh, and the first time we're going to do a week, uh, 24-7 for a week, then we're going to learn what we learn, and then we'll, hopefully the goal will be to run 24-7 prayer 365 days a year here at Christ Church. I'd love to see that happen all over the city and a lot of places, wouldn't you? So thanks for being here this morning, James and Stephanie. James will be here again, well, they'll both be here, I think you'll all be here next week, and uh, you'll hear more from James, you'll get to know him a little bit as he shares more on this ser- in this series on prayer. So... Speaking of prayer, let's do talk about that this morning. We've been in a series, we, t- we started out talking about pursuing the presence of God. We said if we'll pursue the presence of God, and if we make prayer our number one aim, we'll experience the, the heart of the Father and then everything changes. Last week, Kathy spent some time looking at John 17, which is the high priestly prayer of Jesus. He prayed for you in that prayer. He prayed for all of us in that prayer. He prayed that we would all be one as he and the Father are one. And this morning, I want to I ask you a question, a couple questions, actually, as we look at, at the why and the how of actually praying each and every day. So the first question I have for you is, how many of you absolutely just love to pray and you just you do it all the time? Just go ahead and raise your hand. You just love to pray. I absolutely love it. Now, okay, so that's great. How many of you would say, well, I like to pray, but it's hard for me, and, it, and that's just that's just the honest truth. It's just hard for me to do. So, so, and me too. I, I think, how many are both? <laughs> you love to pray, but it's hard. So, so for me, that's probably my category. Often I find myself wanting to pray. I want to, I want to experience the heart of God. But I've had a lot of time in my life where it's just been difficult. It's, just, it's been challenging for me. And so for us to, to focus on prayer and learning how to pray, Jesus teaches us how to pray. I'm going to look at that in a few minutes. And we'll walk through that to give you, we'll just see the outline emerge from the prayer where Jesus taught us how to pray, and hopefully that'll give you some tools, some handles, some steps to walk through so that you can develop your own prayer life 
on an everyday basis. We're learning to pray His way every day is the title of this message. Let's first talk about the why. Number one, we need to invite, this is why we need to pray. We need to invite God into every part of my life. You need to invite him into every part of your life. We need to invite God into every part of our life because God is going to go where he's invited. And if I don't want God in my life, he's not going to come. It doesn't mean he's not going to be involved at all. It just means he's not going to move in. He's not going to come in a place where I don't allow him to come. I can keep the door closed, I can stiff arm God, and I can keep him out of my life. He's not going to barge his way in. Revelations 3.20 says, this is Jesus talking here, he says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him. I'll dine with him and he with me. You see that great picture of Jesus standing at the door of our life. Knocking, wanting to come in, wanting to be involved, wanting to get, have an intimate relationship with us. But it's up to us to open the door and invite him to come in. And not only into the front room of the house, but in every room of the house. He's not going to go where he's not invited. He wants to come in and he stands knocking. He's not going to break down the door. So ask yourself this question. Do I want, do, do you want God involved in every area of your life do you really do do you really want him involved if so then do you need to invite him and give him full permission to move in and to lead and to lead your life and so that that we yield to him you know in the bible god calls himself our father and our shepherd he says he's the good shepherd which is kind of an interesting term because until god was called the good shepherd there weren't there wasn't it was an oxymoron there was no such thing as a good shepherd so god calls himself the good shepherd and he's the good shepherd and we are the sheep and sheep need a shepherd if you any of you ever uh, raised sheep or know anything about them but they're really not very bright animals they need a shepherd I mean, you've never seen a, a, a sheep that is carrying a heavy burden, have you? You've never seen a pack sheep, have you? And sheep aren't real great with directions either. Sheep get lost. You've never seen a homing sheep, have you? Never seen one. They're, they're kind of, they get lost easily. And also, you've never seen, we're, sheep aren't able to protect themselves. You've never seen an attack sheep either, have you? <laughs> Until now. <clears throat> uh, that's, uh, that's Lambo. <laughs> if he was male and had horns, it'd be Rambo. <laughs> right? But you've never seen one of those, have you? Because attack sheep don't exist. Sheep need a shepherd. They need someone to protect them, lead them, guide them, provide for them, watch over them. So God says what God says to, about you and me. He says, he looks at us and says, you're often going in the wrong direction. <laughs> you're often carrying burdens that you weren't designed to carry. And you often need protection from the enemy. And you're not able to do any of those things on your own. So you need a shepherd. And the wonderful thing about a shepherd is he leads. He doesn't, he's called the good shepherd. He's not a sheep 
herder, he's a good shepherd. A shepherd leads, a herder drives. That's why he doesn't call us cattle. He's not poking and prodding us, driving us. He's leading us. And that's why it's so important for us to listen to what he has to say and to learn to hear his voice and to be familiar with what he's telling us so that we get the direction and we get the instruction and we get the, the leadership we need in all every, every area of our life, in our finances, and in our marriages, and in our relationships, and in our parenting, and in, in our jobs, in every area of our life, we need to invite God to lead us and learn to listen to what he has to say to us so that we can carry on a dialogue with God. Because that's what prayer is, isn't it? Prayer is not a monologue where we do all the talking and take our laundry list to God. In fact, it needs to be not a laundry list. It needs to be a lifeline that's two-way. It needs to be a dialogue where we take our petition and we receive direction, where we take our question and we receive our answer, where we listen to the shepherd and he leads us where he wants us to go. That's what prayer is. And that's why we need to invite him into every part of our life so he can lead us and be the good shepherd. You know, I often travel to other countries doing mission trips and interacting with many of our ministry partners. One of the most frustrating things to me when I travel like that is, is I, I always want to be able to carry on a conversation with people I interact with. And when I'm in Honduras or Nicaragua or India or Sri Lanka, I'm always dependent on an, an interpreter, a translator. I would love to be able to carry on a, just an ongoing dialogue between me and the people I'm talking to, the other pastors and their wives and the people and the leaders and so. The good news is, in our case, we have the Holy Spirit to be our translator. And if we'll start talking and start listening, he'll deliver the conversation both directions. And when that happens, we can develop a relationship. But no relationship can happen and no relationship can grow unless there's communication. You agree with that? That's why we need prayer. That's why we need to talk. We need to have a dialogue knowing with God all the time. You know, uh, learning and, and listening to the voice of God in my life is the most important thing to me, I think, in my entire life. Now, you may, you may push back on that a little bit and say, well, isn't Kathy and your family the most important thing? I said, well, yeah, they, they rank right up there at the top. But the reality is, friends, if I don't listen to the voice of God and I don't know what he's saying to me, I can't be a good husband to Kathy, and I certainly can't lead my family well. And so without hearing the voice of God, I might hurt her or even lose her or my family. And so listening to the voice of God and hearing what he has to say to me is arguably the most important thing to me in my whole life. That's why I need to let him into every part of my life so that he shines a light and he gives his wisdom and I hear his truth and I reject the lies and I know what he has to say to me and then I can lead and then I can love and then I can live the life God has intended for me to live and it becomes full of blessing instead of curses. You know, uh, the, the one person on the planet I love spending time with more than any other person is my bride, Kathy. And, 
and we love spending time together. We love doing everything we can possibly do together. We do it together. And the reason that I, I love that so much is because she is mine. She belongs to me, and I belong to her. I, bought, I was in Israel one time. She didn't get to go on that trip, and I bought her a little necklace from uh, a jewelry store. It has in Hebrew, from the Song of Solomon uh, 6.3, it says, I am my beloved's, and he is mine. And that's the way we feel about one another. But that kind of intimacy and that kind of relationship is only possible if God's in the center of it and we have that kind of intimacy with him because that's what he says to us. He says, you are mine and I am yours. And I get to, we get to experience that level of intimacy with the Father. Um, you know, so many times um, we feel like we have to clean up our act before we can go into the presence of God. You ever felt that way? You ever heard somebody say that? I feel like I've got to clean up my act before I can get into God's presence. The reality, friends, is that the only way your act is going to get cleaned up is if you're in God's presence. He's the only one that can clean up our act. I had a little incident with my lawnmower here just a couple weeks ago, and I told some of you this story so you know what I'm talking about. Um, I was mowing around my lagoon on the bank, and it was wet and muddy and slick, and um, I made a turn, and the lawnmower slid all the way down the bank right into the lagoon. <laughs> Lunch, anybody? <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's what I said and then some, um, when, when it slid into the lagoon. So, needless to say, it was a nasty ordeal getting that out of my lagoon. Oh, you can take the picture down now. I don't want to remember that anymore. <laughs> um, so, I finally got it out of the lagoon, and, and, and about the time I got it all, you know, sort of the lawnmower sort of cleaned up, I was a mess. I went into the house. David and Lauren, our son-in-law daughter, and three granddaughters were there. They pulled in about that time. And, of course, you know, I love my grandkids. And our four-year-old Hazel and two-year-old Iris comes running to me to, to hug me. And, you know, I wasn't exactly huggable. And so I said, girls, girls, I hate to tell you this, but don't hug me right now. I, gotta, I need to go run and get a shower real quick. And so I did. I ran and get a, got a shower, got, you know, fresh clothes on. And the minute I came out of the bedroom, uh, Iris was standing there with her arms up. And I picked her up, and she wrapped her little arms around me. And she said, oh, Papa, I love you so much. <laughs> and I said, oh, Iris, I love you too. And, you know, she would have hugged me that way without me cleaning myself up, wouldn't she? And that hug meant more to me than it meant to her. And that's exactly what our Father wants us to experience with Him. He wants us to experience the hug where He says, oh, I love you so much. And we get to say it back to Him and we get to experience that kind of intimacy. We don't have to clean ourselves up first, but we do have to invite Him in. We do have to invite Him into every part, even the messy parts, even after we've fallen in a stink hole, 
We have to invite him in to lead us and love us and clean us up. We can't clean up our act unless we're in the presence of God. So the second reason to pray then is to claim my spiritual authority. We need to let him into every part of our life and we need to claim the spiritual authority who rightfully belongs to, to us. You know, God doesn't leave us totally helpless. He gives us the authority to live confident, courageous lives. In Luke 10, 19, Jesus says, Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all of the power of the enemy. I think that's a pretty important passage of Scripture, don't you? And nothing will injure you, he says. Nothing. There's nothing to be afraid of. But you have to live in the authority he gives you. So let's learn how to pray his way every day. Let's talk about the how. In Matthew chapter 6, most of us are familiar with this passage of Scripture. Some of you learned the, to, to recite the Lord's Prayer as a young child. But let's start before he gets to that point and see what he says about prayer. He's teaching us how to pray, how to do it, how not to do it. And here's what he says, Matthew 6, chapter 6, verse 5. He says, when you pray... You're not to be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners so that they may be seen by men. Truly, I say to you, they have their reward in full. But you, when you pray, go into your inner room, close the door, and pray to your Father who's in secret. And your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you're praying, do not use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do, for they suppose that they'll be heard for their many words. Don't be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then this way. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation but deliver us from evil, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And if you forgive others for their transgressions, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, then your Father will not forgive your transgressions. So the first thing we need to know is that Jesus tells us to pray so that we get God's attention, not so that we get men's attention. Now, it's not bad to pray in front of other people or with other people. In fact, it's good to do that. It's good to encourage one another, to intercede for one another, to, to pray together and agree in prayer. On, it's not that it's bad to do that. But when we do that, we do that to seek God's attention and to hear from what God has to say to us, not to impress one another. So it's important for us to remember that. That's why Jesus says the best way to do this is to go into a closet where it's just you and God. See, God doesn't have a hearing problem or a memory problem or a learning challenge, so we don't have to shout, we don't have to repeat ourselves, and we don't have to give him a tutorial on how he should answer our prayers. We just need to have a conversation and pray. So when you pray, Jesus said, do it this way. And here's our outline that emerges from the Lord's teaching as he teaches us how to pray. Number one, we need to begin with praise and worship and adoration. He says, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. That is who he is, that's where he is, and that's what he's all about. He is in heaven, he is our Father, and he is holy. 
Holy, holy, holy is your name. So we begin with praise and worship and adoration. That's the way you can begin every prayer. You might even begin it by, by listening to some praise and worship music. Let the music help you begin to enter into an attitude of praise and adoration and worship as you begin your time of prayer with the Father. It'd be a great way to help you supplement what's happening in your life, in your, in your prayer life. Number two, we need to surrender to his authority and submit to his leadership. Jesus says, your kingdom come into my life. Your will be done in my life. Your your, your will, Lord, I'm going to surrender to your authority, to your will, to your plan, to your desires, and I want that to be done in my life. So I'm going, to sub, I'm, going to, I'm going to lay down my own will and surrender that so that your will can be done in my life. And now it's an opportunity to begin to pray that for other people as well. Pray that for your spouse if you're married, for your children if you have children, for your friends, for your coworkers, for your neighbors, for the people who don't know Jesus. Begin to pray that God's will will be done in their life in their situation, in their needs, or whatever their deal is, so that his will and his authority will begin to work and move in their life as well. Begin with praise and adoration, and then seek God's will, that his will be done. And then, number three, you can begin to seek God's provision. Jesus says, give us this day our daily bread. This is a prayer of petition. Notice, it's important for us to put God first and worship him and to surrender our will to his will so that his will is done because when that happens, God possesses us. He has us then. When we've completely surrendered our own will and our own desires so that God is to be able to speak into our lives and provide for us, now we are worshiping him. He is number one. He is our top priority, and we've surrendered our will to his. See, it's necessary for that to happen because God blesses what he possesses. When he possesses you, he can bless you. But if you're holding off being having God's will in your life, if you're holding him back, it's difficult for him to bless you, isn't it? If you wall yourself off from God and don't allow him to enter into your entire life, it'd be very difficult for him to pour blessing through the cracks in the wall, wouldn't it? God blesses what he possesses. He needs to possess us wholly and completely. God guides. Where God guides, God provides. Where he leads, he meets the needs. That's the way it works. When God's leading, he's going to provide. That's what James and Stephanie are experiencing right now as they step out in faith and, and, and trust that God's going to provide as they raise some support for this full-time calling in their lives that they've been given. It's a big leap of faith. But they know they've been called, and so they know God's going to provide. And that's the way it works. Because they are fully possessed by the Father God. That's the way this works. It's beautiful. Proverbs 1 verse 20 says wisdom, and when you see the word wisdom, in the, especially in the Proverbs, it's always talking about the truth of God. It's often personified as a woman. It's, it's the wisdom of the Holy Spirit. It says wisdom shouts in the streets. She lifts her voice in the square. At the head of the noisy streets, she cries out. At the entrance of the gates in the city, she utters her saying, he's saying, wisdom shouts out at the very beginning of the street. When you are possessed by God and he has you in the palm of his hand, he is ready to speak wisdom into your life, into a very noisy world. 
You ever notice how noisy the world is? And how many people and things are trying to constantly influence your thinking, influence the decisions you're making, influence the direction you're going? And if we'll listen, God is shouting at the very beginning of the street. He's saying, go this way, don't go that way. Listen to this, go here, go there. Here's my word, here's my wisdom. You know, um, I've made a lot of decisions without praying first. And a lot of them just haven't gone very well. In fact, a lot of that's probably I can trace most of my regrets back to a decision I made without praying first. <laughs> I was thinking this week about one of those, and many of you aren't old enough to even remember this yet, but did anybody remember the, the, the Chrysler K cars? Anybody remember those? I bought a, the, the, the model that was exactly like it was called a Plymouth Reliant. I bought one of those one time. There was absolutely nothing reliable about that car. In fact, I, stopped, I, I got to the point where I refused to call it a car. I just started calling it a chunk of metal with rubber tires. It was an absolute disaster. You kind of get worked up just thinking about it. And it's been years now. It's been 30 years ago. I've got to get over this. But I need to pray before I make decisions because I've made other investments by praying first. I could tell you story after story. Kathy and I bought a, uh, we bought a farm. We, we bought the farm one time. Uh, we bought 80 acres one time at the courthouse door and paid $19,000 for it. We prayed about that before we did that. And, you know, there's a lot to this story. We had invested everything we had in the church when we started the church and and didn't have any retirement funds or anything. And God used that little investment so that just a few years ago, we sold that land for more than 10 times what we gave for it. And God provided. See, that's what God does when you pray. I'm really into praying before I make decisions. Any decision, especially major decisions, I want God I want God's will to be done in my life. Anybody else? I want God's kingdom to come and his will to be done in my life because I trust him completely and God blesses what God possesses. I want him to have all of me, every part of me, so that he can do what he wants to do. That's prayer petition. Number four, we need to seek God's forgiveness. Now listen carefully. We need to seek God's forgiveness as we forgive others because God's going to out-forgive you every time. He's going to out-forgive you every single time. But you have to get started. God will forgive as you forgive, he says. That's what he says in his word. We need to bring every part of our life, every issue, every sin, every victory, everything before him and submit it completely to him so that he can speak into every disillusionment, disappointment, every situation, every relationship where there's tension or chaos or crisis. God wants to speak into that and he wants to save us out of it and redeem us out of it and redeem the relationship so that there's peace and oneness, as Kathy talked about last week, so that God's glory will show through our lives and he can continue to possess all of us. This is where we learn to listen to the Father in prayer. So let me say, let me ask you this question. What, what does God want to say to you? What truth does he want to give to you? What lie does he want to expose? What, what, what does he want to remove from you that doesn't need to be there? You know, as you, as you look at what God says to us about prayer, then we realize 
that he wants to pour his grace into us and remove bitterness and anger and every root of unforgiveness so that his grace will flow through us like a river. We're not, a, we're not designed to be reservoirs. We're designed to be rivers. You know that? And God's grace wants to flow into us and through us, but it can't do that unless we forgive. I don't know if you've noticed, but the only thing Jesus talks about twice in his teaching on prayer is forgiveness. It's the only thing he mentions twice, and he, he camps on it for a, minute, for a minute because he knows how important it is. He says, if you don't forgive, you won't experience the forgiveness that you need. And you're going to reject God's grace. Anybody ever know someone who's received a transplanted uh, organ? We just had someone here in the life of the church, uh, Rafi James, recently uh, received both uh, kidneys and pancreas. Amazing. Same operation. He's doing well, by the way. But now he takes anti-rejection drugs so that his body won't reject the new organs that he's given. But also what we've learned as, we, as we've learned more and more about this and watched this happen a few times is when you get, when you receive a transplanted organ, part of the DNA from the donor gets transferred into your body and it shifts and changes and sort of transforms your literal DNA. We just heard a story recently. A friend of a friend, a woman had a transplanted organ before the transplant, had straight hair. After the transplant, now she has curly hair. The donor had curly hair. Amazing, isn't it? When we receive the grace of God, it begins to shift and change our spiritual DNA. It shifts and changes the way we think. It shifts and changes the way we function. It shifts and changes the way we live. And that's what we need, friends. We need to be shifted. We need to be transformed. We need to be recreated. We need to be made new and let the old go away and let the new come. But we can reject it. And one of the ways to reject it, God says, is if we don't forgive. One of the ways you can reject the grace of God moving into your life and shifting and changing the DNA and the blessing that God wants to pour into you is by, by rejecting it by unforgiveness. I think the Holy Spirit is saying to you right now, all of us, we all know, if, in fact, if, I, if we had just a one-on-one -on -one conversation, if I asked you or if you asked me, is there someone that you need to forgive, there would be a name and a face pop in our minds instantly, right? If that person exists. Or maybe there's a group. Maybe it's parents or family or who is it for you? Because, friends, Jesus says this twice because he wants us to receive the blessing from the Father. He, he doesn't want us to reject it like a body would a, an organ transplant. He wants us to receive it and for it to become part of us. Who do you need to forgive so that you can receive the blessing of God that he has for you?
Number five, we need to ask for supernatural direction and protection. I wish I had a lot of time to talk about this because this is so incredibly important for us. Jesus says, don't lead us into, into temptation, but deliver us from evil. This is where Jesus is saying, I have given you power and authority to resist the power of the enemy and to kick him out of your life, and you don't have to worry about him anymore. You don't have to be afraid of him. You don't have to be you know, anxious about anything. You can constantly know that God is with you, and I am going to give you my authority to cast Cast out the enemy. That's pretty important to know, isn't it? That's what God says. That's what Jesus says to pray for. Resist the adversary and pray with God's power and authority to defeat the enemy in our lives. You could do that for a list of people in your life. You could do that for your kids. You could do that for your spouse. You could do that for your friends. You could do that even for people who don't like you. You probably don't have any of those people in your life. You can do that for anyone. Number six, acknowledge God's kingdom once again and his authority. See, we inherit his kingdom. We don't have our own and we don't need one. We don't need a kingdom. Because no kingdom other than God's kingdom is ever going to last. That's, that's the prophecy in Isaiah about Jesus. The, the government, his government will never end. But every other government will. Every other kingdom will be temporary. The only one that lasts forever is God's kingdom. I want to be a part of that one. I just want to be a servant in his kingdom. I don't need my own. I read a little poem about that this week because I just want to share it with you. I told Kathy, I said, I don't want glory. I want God's unfolding story. I don't want credit or blame. I don't want a debt or any fame. I want to point to God and Him alone because He is the King, the only one. There's six parts of this prayer. Jesus says, start with adoration. Surrender to His authority. Ask for petition. Ask for provision. Make certain. Make certain. You're a conduit of forgiveness and grace so that it's flowing into, his li into your life. There's supernatural direction and protection. And six, acknowledge his kingdom and his authority. Now it's time to pray. Speaking of prayer, <laughs> sometimes that's the way prayer meetings work. We talk about prayer and then we don't pray much. We wouldn't want that to happen today, would we? We've talked about it because Jesus taught us on it so we could do it, <laughs> not so we could just talk about it. Now let's do it. Let's pray. And let's pray the prayers that need to be prayed. Maybe you need to pray for forgiveness. Maybe you need to forgive someone. Maybe you need to come up here and let someone pray with you. I'd encourage you to do that. In just a minute, I'm going to invite our altar team to come. And we're going to sing one more worship song. And there will be people here in front of the altar area that you can come pray with them. If you don't want to pray with someone, you can just pray on your own. But this is a time to pray. And bring whatever need you have to God so that he possesses you and you receive his blessing. Father, thank you for this 
privilege we have coming to you in prayer. Lord, help us more and more to experience a dialogue with you. To hear what you have to say to us and to receive your blessing as we surrender everything to you. Your will, may your will be done. May your kingdom come. Even in this moment as we pray, as we worship, I pray, Father, that you will do what only you can do and that we'll receive it fully. In the name of Jesus, amen.